This is Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. Hi loves, welcome back to a brand new episode of the podcast. It's such a gift to be in this virtual space with all of you. This is such a delicious episode. I'm going to try to keep this intro kind of short, um, even though I have a pretty exciting piece of news to share and we have the equinox. <laughs> so it's it's hard to imagine keeping it short, but I'll get the I'll get the announcement out of the way. Um, which is simply to say that the new Tarot for the Wild Soul course website is up and live, and you can check that out at tarotforthewildsoul.com. Um, there's a longer story that I think I'll share. Um, if people are interested, it'll be in, in, uh, an email that I'll send to my newsletter. So if you want to sign up for that, you can sign up at the link on the show notes or by going to my website, lindsaymack.com. But essentially the course has been, um, a moving in a direction that has been, um, really, uh, focused on more, intensive education, um, more about like reading for other people and kind of like how to interpret these kinds of spreads. And, um, in the last week, like all of that crumbled apart in the best way as only pandemics can do (laughs) where, um, you know, really, I, I just kept looking at what we were doing in the direction we were going and absolutely knew that it was not the direction to take this course. Um, and from there, a kind of a shifted syllabus came through that's so much stronger and more just, I'm so excited, legitimately so fucking excited to teach and share the lessons that are in this, um, it was supposed to be nine weeks this year. It's back to eight. The price was supposed to go up. It is not. And in fact, there's a longer payment plan actually for greater ease. Um, we have uh, our full scholarships, of course. And for the first time, we have partial scholarships, which is half off of tuition with um, a, a very generous payment plan just to try to make it as easeful and accessible as humanly possible for anybody who wants to be a part of this experience to be a part of it. Um, and yet there's all of this new material, uh, a pre course foundational training that you get bonus master classes from me. The whole thing is brand new. Um, and the lessons are new and the kind of uh, intention and tone of the course is really, um, really expanded, but not in the direction we thought, and yet in exactly the direction that it needed to go in. So I'll, I'll share more about that, but just for time and not because also not everybody wants to hear about that, but if you want to read about it and find out about all the exciting changes, um, even if you're just curious, you can go to, um, tarotforthewildsoul.com and just so everybody has it in their head, I'll remind people closer to, but, uh, scholarship applications for full and partial open on, um, March 30th and they're fast this year. They're only open for five days. Um, so they open on the 30th, they close on the third. So it's really important if you want a scholarship or if you want to be considered for a scholarship, I will again, mention it 4 million times more on Instagram, on here, on the newsletter, but March 30th is when scholarships open. So just really keep that in mind. And uh, enrollment for the course 
opens on April 9th. So for anybody who feels called to the experience and, and has the capacity to do it and really desires to be a part of it, we're trying to make it as absolutely accessible as possible. Um, I just am very proud of the direction it's going. So I hope you're ex as excited about the website as I am to share it. So that's the news. Um, and I want to shift and really just wish everybody um, as happy as we can be in times like this. Happy is a little strange to say, but um, a blessed equinox because it is for those of us in, for those of us in the northern hemisphere, our spring equinox, Aries season, the sun has officially shifted into Aries at the zero degree. Aries is not just the initiatory point of the new zodiacal wheel, but it is the shift out of the death energy of Pisces into the rebirth of a new cycle, of a new time on this wheel, one that we've been traveling in since around March 20th of 2019, which I think is really powerful to think about. Um, Aries is the like two second old newborn of the zodiac, the scream of the infant, the um, intensity of birth. That's Aries. It's raw. It's messy. There's a lot of mud and growth and storms and um, it's fucking intense in Aries season because it's a reaffirmation of life. It's a reconnection to the root of our being. This is why it's a four, because we come back to well, what holds me. It's the ultimate root. Aries moves us through emperor energy. It moves us through the tower. It's crumbling those structures, crumbling those foundations to rebirth anew, to come forward in the world with all that we have. And it is very powerful to, to reflect, you know, what does it feel like to go through Aries energy during a time of a global pandemic? You know, what does that look like? What does that feel like? What does it mean for us to go through equinox energy and rebirth energy in such a strong time of death? Not just um, of, of loss of life and the fear uh, for many of us of, of illness in and, our, in and of ourselves or of our loved ones, but also of the absolute falling away of these structures that many of us have been bound to or have been held by. And um, for some of us, it's terrifying. And for some of us, we're going in kicking and screaming, not necessarily a lot of people I know, but a lot of a lot of corporations are, you know, really kicking and screaming about having these sort of old things fall away. And we forget that is Aries energy. That is tower energy. This is an emperor year. Part of Aries energy is clearing out what does not serve. And this virus, um, while I would not necessarily say that that is the I, I'm, I would never deign to say, I understand the medicine of this virus, the fuck out of here, no way. Um, and nor would I say that the reason that we're going through this experience is because we're having things cleared away. Um, and 
we've been living in a way on this planet that has been completely unsustainable and essentially bent and broken for a very long time. And many of the old structures and systems that have been out of alignment are so glaringly in need of change from the ground up, which people far smarter and far more educated than me have been saying for far longer than I've been saying it. Um, And this is just serving this one situation as such a glaring um, it's really illuminating where things need to change and while we may not be experiencing that kind of glaring obviousness in our everyday life so many of us have been doing everything that we've been meant to be doing and are struggling to figure out what we're going to do next for work or, um, you know, how we're going to get out of where we're living. It's majorly serious times right now. Um, so we're talking about the difference between the personal and the collective. And in some ways they're connected and bound and in other ways they're not. And so that's the difference there is that, um, part of being in an emperor year means that we're talking about the towering, of collective systems and how that affects us personally will be totally different from person to person but there is most certainly a rebirth happening right now you know in in many different ways and for some people it it, rebirth feels very different from others and for some of us the shock of this time is so great that we're not even checked in with anything at all really um the most powerful thing that we can really do for ourselves, I think, with great humility, um, at this equinox, at Aries season, at the initiatory point of emperor month and an emperor year, is to start with where we are. Where do you find yourself right now? Is there a space where You're beginning this process right now in this, um, you know, equinox time that is your beginning point, your zero degree, rather than where you think you should be or what you assume airy season should feel like or what you assume an equinox should feel like or all the things that you may be pressuring yourself to do to ritualize this when really ritual is completely personal and you can create any kind of connection to this time that you want. Um, so it's just to say that I encourage everybody in true Aries fashion to get really connected to themselves, their own sovereign, um, experience here. Um, and to get very curious, you know, how is this energy moving through you? How is it affecting you? Um, what are the ways in which you can call in that sense of rootedness that is the other side of Aries Tower that is more of the emperor that does say you are infinitely connected to root. You are of root. You come from root. You know, how can you come back to that space? Those are, again, I don't have the answers and it certainly won't feel exactly right to everybody, but I think that it is really powerful to begin to think about those things and to look at them and to kind of reclaim these um, moments, these days, these experiences on the spiral of the year 
where we shift into different signs, different energies, um, move through equinoxes and solstices and cross quarters, and pay attention to what they have to tell us and let ourselves meet them where we are. You know, I don't know whether or not that's necessarily of use, but I think it it's more useful perhaps now than um, maybe it might have been last year, certainly, you know, just really checking into where you happen to be and how this airy season is meeting you in that place, I think is pretty powerful to do. So, um, my guest on the podcast today is the amazing Chase Voorhees, who is the creator of Tarot of the Holy Spectrum, which is an absolutely unbelievable, phenomenal, gorgeous new tarot deck that is um, available for pre-sale as of today, um, which you can learn more about on Chase's website, tarotoftheholyspectrum.com. This was a very easy interview to do because Chase lives with me. He is my husband. (laughs) But as I say during the interview, um, I'm not sharing this interview with Chase because he's my husband, because um, I'm an Aries and we're really blunt and direct. And if I didn't like his tarot deck, I would never talk about it. (laughs) And he knows that and he never asked me to talk about it. Um, It's because I think it's really magnificent and um, a really beautiful piece of art. And one that we have the the pleasure of, we have a a copy of, a, a proof of, and it reads just about as smoothly and as beautifully and as clearly and as joyfully as any tarot deck I've ever picked up. Um, Some of Chase's beautiful visual interpretations are um, really exquisite and exemplary. Um, It was a real uh, honor to watch him in the midst of that process. And um, I had the honor, it it is not a soul tarot deck by any means, um, but in the course of living with someone who also does all of the editing for this podcast and does all of the visuals and all the video and all the audio for the Tarot for the Wild Soul course and the rest of my courses and classes, he has been thoroughly immersed in soul tarot theory. And um, it was an honor to have some of my interpretations um, sort of made um, manifest in visual form and um, to actually have him credit me for that was really lovely. So it's sort of the first ever deck that has some authorized Soltero um, magic woven in there. Um, but again, it, it's completely his own thing. And um, it is an amazing visual deck. Um, there is an, uh, a strict color theory applied to the deck where um, it moves through the color spectrum. The majors move through the color spectrum in one specific way where they're largely black and white with intentional pops of color. And each of the major, or sorry, each of the minor suits move through a color spectrum. Um, that's a little bit challenging to uh, describe, but when you see it, it it's very clear. Uh, and if you go to the website, there are a lot of really wonderful videos and photos of animations, I should say, and photos of, um, the deck that will provide such a gorgeous, um, clarity about it. And, um, perhaps most significantly, the deck has pure black edging and a pure black back. And when you kind of reach into it, Chase 
has always said that he wanted it to be like you were reaching into the void and allowing a part of yourself to get reflected back to you through choosing a card. So um, it's just a very special deck, and I think everyone listening to this would really enjoy it. And um, it was really fun to have like a goofy (laughs) quarantine chat with my husband, and uh, he's been doing the podcast for so long. It was um, sort of high time that he came on here and that we talked about his process and um, some of his favorite decks or some of his favorite cards to create and um, yeah, all manner of really lovely things. So I really hope you enjoy our conversation. And if you're interested in Chase's deck, again, pre-orders um, are open now and you can engage with, um, you can either pre-order a deck, learn about the deck uh, by going to tarotofthehollyspectrum.com. Um, I also recommend following Chase at Holy Spectrum Tarot on Instagram for some pretty beautiful artistic tarot content. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just a real pleasure to get to talk to him and uh, to share our kind of fun conversation about his process and so much more. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Um, Next week on Tuesday, I'm going to, of course, have our weekly download, um, uh, the cards that will be carrying us forward um, for the week ahead. And then next Friday, I'm going to have a whole, uh, I'm really excited, my my episode, uh, sorry, I have been doing um, so much website work that my brain is a little fried. So forgive me <laughs> for not necessarily being as smooth with what I'm saying. Um, but my episode next week, next Friday, is going to be uh, an episode about the concept of anchor cards, which is something I developed. And um, it, and not that anyone has not talked about the concept of the tarot being an anchor, but um, specifically how to uh, allow your tarot deck to be an anchor and work with certain tarot cards in uh, specific ways is something I developed from my offering trauma in the tarot. So I'm going to talk about how four of pentacles is the ultimate anchor card for the times that we're living in right now. So we're going to talk about that next week. Um, And I, I think it will be really, really useful to to folks and and if it's not you can always turn it off (laughs) um loving on all of you and um yeah just loving on all of you so much thank you for hanging in there with this hodgepodge of an intro um I'm just keeping it real right now you know doing I feel okay but just I think we're all in the same boat (laughs) of just kind of like being uh present and also being moved in many different directions so grateful to be in that space of total um holographicness with all of you for sure and i'm very excited to share my conversation with chase i hope you enjoy it and i will catch you next week hello chase it's um so nice to meet you oh it's so nice to meet you too this is like it's so great we were able to do this yeah you know it's a little hard for people to get together these days and you know thanks so much for 
for coming by. You know, it was really hard to fit you into my schedule. <laughs> um, but I am glad that I was able to move a couple things around and then find some time to meet with you today. It feels like a huge privilege. Um, and of course, we're not face to face. We're both in. We're in isolation right we now. We are in isolated bubbles and we're sort of see each other. Yeah, me? What? Are you, I, I think I see you. It's just like an, it's like a blurry outline. Yeah, it's a blurry outline. Yeah. Um, hi. Hello. <laughs> um, it's so nice to have you here to paint, to paint the picture for everyone. We are in my office. We're on day seven of complete self-isolation quarantine. I'm going mad. Chase is handling it better. I'm doing really good. <laughs> I mean, listen, here's what I could say that I'm going mad, but in reality, I am an immunocompromised person and I'm doing what I have to do for myself and for, for, I'm not an essential part of the, like I can stay in and I have the privilege to do so. And there's a lot to celebrate there because a lot of people can't do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's greater stress and anxiety, but. As far as like, you know, I am an animator and designer, so I staying in on my computer to you're not hurting for it. Yeah, let's just <laughs> no, say it's that not, it's not that. Different. I mean, the greater existential yeah terror and panic is something completely different. But you know, yeah. well, you can separate those things. Yeah, because you're compartmentalizing. Very good at car- compartmentalizing. <laughs> even though we're just meeting i feel like i know that about you Uh, yeah i know it's strange right (laughs) um our cat wee woo is also in here so you might you might hear from him but probably not sitting here thumping his tail because i'm talking too loudly for (laughs) (laughs) speaking at such a moderate like barely talking (laughs) (laughs) oh man um <laughs> uh for everybody who uh doesn't actually know this chase is my husband and we do we we do live together yes um, we do and he also happens to be the uh creator of one of the more exciting tarot decks that i think have been made in the last i mean for sure like five years like amazing piece of artwork. Thank you so much. Of course. And it's not just because, you know, we have sex. It's not just because you're my husband. It's because it's really amazing. And I have told you on a number of occasions, if I didn't like it, I would never talk about it. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is that is not just something she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> it is true that I wouldn't. Um, yeah. It is truly amazing. And it's been a, a gift to watch you create it, to witness you create it, and to see you step into your courage and sharing it with the world. Yeah, thanks. Okay. So for listeners, as I mentioned, you are the creator of Tarot of the Holy Spectrum, which is an incredible deck that you designed um, and did all the art for the box design for. It's truly so, so gorgeous, out and open for pre-orders today. Um, so I guess my the first place I kind of want to ask you is 
to start kind of at the, at where we are now and work our way back, which is like, how does it feel to be finally in a space after such a lengthy process of creation and going back and forth with the printers? Like, how does it feel to have it kind of be up and out in the world? Um, well, it'll feel different when it's actually out in the world right now, it's just open for pre-orders, but, um, I think, I mean, it feels great. It's been this process that's, you know, there's so many hurdles when you're making a deck that you don't ever even think about when you're actually just doing the artwork. Like, like what? Uh, like when you have to hire like a customs person and like supervise a shipment from overseas because of the printer and like then a global pandemic breaks out and <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes everything uh, more complicated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, so it has been this kind of like huge journey and there have been many, many times where I have felt like, oh, this is way too much to take on and like this is so scary. I don't know anything about this process. I'm not like a vendor. I am an artist. And like when I'm in my wheelhouse of like making art, like making art took like a year to make all the art for this deck. And like, that was great. And mm -hmm. then like the time after that was like, Oh wait, now I have to like do all of this stuff with like business and like, you know, working with like, uh, you know, <laughs> printers and like, logistics and like shipping and like figuring out you know all this other side of things that I have never even like interacted with at all you know um and it's um pretty eye-opening luckily I'm pretty quick at learning things and picking things up so that's been really helpful but I um it's it's definitely like it's a tough process mm -hmm. the like like honestly making the art like 78 images of artwork, which is a huge task and a huge undertaking mm -hmm. is honestly the easiest part. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, it just, it like, I remember back in December, it was like, every time I woke up in the morning, I would do more research on like what I had to do. And there would be this whole other thing that I hadn't, e I didn't even know about. And I, I was like, that. wait, I, I thought I was done and I thought I was ready and now I have to do this whole other thing. And I, I don't even know. And like, um, you know, there was a process where I was thinking about writing a guidebook for a long time and it kept getting derailed over and over again. And I was like tuning in and being like, why is this happening? And then like, you know, it just came down to like, I was talking to my therapist and I was like, I, you know, I keep trying to do this thing. I'm not a writer. And like, it just feels wrong and it feels not aligned because mm -hmm. I'm just being constantly invited into this world where this deck could speak for itself and like really live and like allow people to grow and interpret it in their own way. And I think that was kind of the message that was like coming through um, that was like, it doesn't need this guidebook to like, because I don't need to tell people I need to let people kind of like let that process evolve on its own, you know, mm -hmm. and by putting it out in the world. And that was a huge revelation to myself, you know, of like, Oh, I need to like let go of some of that, like creative control, honestly, of like 
telling people how to interpret things, you know? Well, I feel like that's a, that is a huge thing in and of itself. So we're going to put a pin in that, but, um, I wanted to, to pull out something that you said that I, I felt a lot of, um, like passion and kind of, um, I don't know, heat maybe like bubbling up around, which is like hearing you speak about this process of you being in your soul flow as an artist and creating this thing and then having to figure out like customs agents and go back and forth with the printer and figure out what store to use and like how to work with shipping and like just all these things. There's, I feel like such a general tendency to lowball or disrespect the work of independent artists. Sure. Be they like creators such as yourself. I consider myself like an artist first Mm -hmm. and foremost, like I'm creating things and I feel like there is, there's such a tendency to think like, Oh, I'm just paying for the deck. And it's like, no, you're, you're paying for the (laughs) creation of the deck and you're also paying for the money it took to ship it here, the yeah, money like the it took to like, and like, yeah, 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 like which like, now are, you know, yeah, it's, at another level uh, yeah. and like, you know, um, um, but yeah, just, just really honoring that because I think you speaking to that is so important. And also you speaking to the fact that, um, you know, you felt a certain sense of, of isolation during that aspect of it, that it's, it can kind of feel like I imagine if you're making a deck, it happens a bit in a vacuum. Like you find your people, you find what works, you figure it out, but there's not a whole lot of, I mean, I know some folks helped you along the way a little bit. For sure. Um, I think it is, it is definitely one of those things though, that like, you know, there's like that old trope of like, you know, someone seeing like a piece of modern art and it being like a blank canvas or something and being like, well, I could do that. And it's like, yeah, but the whole back end of it is what you can't do. You know, it's like, sure, you could maybe do that, but then you have to work on like, you know, distributors and you have to like work Mm -hmm. with galleries and you have to work with there's like a laundry list of other things that lead up to that point. And like the actual end product of like Mm -hmm. the t-shirt or design or whatever a person's putting out is Mm -hmm. really like, again, that's the easiest part of it. It's like the whole back end of like making the website and like doing this thing and like taking orders. And like, that's a side that no one ever thinks about. And it's actually way more complicated um, than people give it credit for, you know? Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, it's very funny because uh, we've had conversations a couple of times where, um, and you can't know it unless you're in it really, but where you just for one reason or another will sort of say, um, like helpfully suggest like, like, Oh, like you could do tarot for the wild soul, like twice in a year. And I always, I think before you did this project, you didn't really understand Mm -hmm. because Iris and I, I mean, people do not understand it's, it is literally it takes an entire year yeah. to set up, to do, to review, to redo things, to rescript things, to recreate things, to um for however long payment plans go. Yeah. However many months Iris is doing like back end customer service, like it lasts so much longer than people think it does. Yeah. People assume like, oh, you're it this is an eight week process. Sure. It's literally like nine months to a yeah. year. No, I understand. For us. And I know you do, but yeah. <laughs> um 
but there there was a time when I remember you didn't. And of course, why would you? Because sure. you wouldn't know that. Like yeah. nobody, you don't, you don't ever know until you're in something like yeah. that. And then the, well, and the good thing about like Tarot for the Wild Soul is like my, at least my contribution to it is like all before it even happens. And then mm-hmm. once it starts, I'm not really involved in it, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. 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 Um, Moving on to your creative process. So when did you know, because I'm going to ask you lots of questions in this. So I'm curious, when did you specifically know, is there a moment when you thought, um, I'm going to make a tarot deck? And my follow-up question to that specifically is, when did you come up with the concept that you did behind this deck? Can you tell us a little bit? Cause it's, it's a bit of a conceptual idea. So sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny because I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember all these things, but, um, basically I started making the deck. I was, I started, I, I think I made, a couple images, um, eight, of, eight, yeah. eight of swords, two of swords, two of swords and yeah. eight of swords, um, were kind of the first two I did. But was there a moment when you thought I'm going to make a deck, but were you at that point just sort of playing at around? that point? I was just experimenting. Cool. So like that point happened, I think when it would be like a year and a half now or so mm-hmm. ago, um, if not a little yeah i think about a year and a half ago um i was just kind of experimenting um with some stylistic um just ways of making art um and kind of gotten to a flow with it and then i set it aside for a couple months and didn't really um i didn't show it to anyone i didn't put it out i i i kind of like i eventually after a couple months put it on my like my personal Instagram. Uh, but at that point in time, I didn't have an intention to make a full deck. It was just kind of some experiments and some artistic experiments. I was stylistic experiments. I was working with at the time. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, a couple months went by and I kept going back to it and kind of like touching in and being like, is this something I want to do? Is this something I want to take on? Um, and then I came up with this concept. I remember we were having coffee back when we both used to drink coffee, which we've both stopped since then. But, um, (laughs) we were having our morning coffee and I was like, Oh, I'm going to call it tarot of the Holy spectrum. I like knew the name and I was like, and I'm going to do this really strict color scheme on it because I'm always into like putting these really strict rules on my artwork (laughs) to challenge myself. And, um, I was like, I'll do all of the lines, like the suits, um, as a color spectrum. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and they would just kind of be that way. And then I would do over time. I was like, okay, well then I'll have the court cards be all in, uh, monochromatic suit colors. And then I will do the majors, um, all in black and white with these pops of color in it um, that also correspond to a spectrum over the length of the majors. Um, And then there were certain little like things here and there that um, just popped up that Mm -hmm. were also kind of things I would stick to as far as like 
Yeah, it was just these rules and then basically kind of having the artwork fit into those rules, which um, was a challenge to me as an artist and made it kind of fun and interesting because there were several cards I had to do a couple different times because the colors just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to, I remember on uh, Temperance, uh, it's this kind of greenish color um, and just dictated by the scheme and like as an artist trying to like fit that into like temperance of like, how am I going to make this work? You know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, to like visually represent this thing and like use this kind of like green color. Um, and I ended up finding a way that worked really seamlessly, but, um, just kind of challenges like that, where it was like, I had to like kind of make a couple different versions, step back, be like, does this make any sense with these colors? Like, why is it this like whole scene in green and like this one's in yellow? Um, but, um, I think overall that those challenges really help me keep focused on like, um, you know, just the process, uh, mm-hmm. as I'm making it. But, um, yeah, it was interesting too because um, the way my brain kind of like works with color, I think I like visualize things a lot. So like I would be thinking in these schemes of like, okay, well, um, I'm working in this scheme for this card and like visually what does that bring to mind? How does that impact the artwork? How does that like, um, you know, what am I seeing for this particular card? Um and, um, yeah, kind of lost. What was the question? <laughs> you were answering it. Okay, it was, good. it was, when was the moment that you knew you oh, wanted yeah. to make this? <laughs> Sorry. I ramble sometimes. Um, <laughs> Which is, you never talk. I, this, this is why then I ramble. Someone pokes a mic, mic in front of you. <laughs> I just start talking and talking and talking. It yeah. all comes out. Yeah. Um, I love it. Yeah. I think people love it too. You're being totally clear. Okay, good. Yeah. You're yeah. just describing your process. And I have follow-ups about that, yeah, which go is, ahead. um, I, uh, you had a kind of an interesting, um, um, a really nice process. It, it felt to, um, I will use the languaging of channeling down the visuals because you really did do that. Yeah. Although I know you don't, you consider yourself an artist, not necessarily an intuitive artist, mm-hmm. but there's an enormous amount of For channeling sure. I mean, what yeah, you totally. do. Yeah. yeah, of course. Um, and uh, just being respectful of the way you term your work and, sure. and your processes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I know that the visuals of the Smith Rider weight were an important touchstone for you mm-hmm. and that... Especially at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it seemed that it was more of a form that you wanted there so you could break it, which I think is ideal under yeah. any circumstances is to um, look at what's been done and say, how can this either be evolved or shifted or changed? Or sure. How do I see it? Um, and you would uh, touch in about different interpretations of the card, what other people have said, and then allow that to either inform what you did or you to let that inform what you did and then trust your own guidance. Yeah. There were some definitely that like, I remember you and I talked a lot when I was, um, making this deck about different interpretations, mm-hmm. like the way, um, 
card meanings can evolve and things like that. And I remember there were a lot of times where it was like, um, we would have a conversation about a card and like, there were, there was like these type, there was like three different types of situations. There was, uh, like I would kind of just make a card on my own. There was sometimes we would talk about it and I would kind of like be like, Oh, that's an interesting, like take on this card. That's an interesting meaning. How, what does that mean to me? Mm -hmm. And like, how would I visualize that? Mm -hmm. And then there were some that were just like, we would talk about it. And then for whatever reason, my intuition would say, do this. And I'd get this image stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm thinking like six of wands. Yeah. And like, um, we can talk about, yeah, of course. And then it would, I just make that because like, for whatever reason, my, my intuition would be like, Oh, this is what that means in this deck, you know? Of course. And it doesn't really align with like kind of what other people have said or done, but that's Mm -hmm. what it needs to be. And like, I think it's also like, yeah, like hangman too, uh, or hang person in my deck, um, or the hanged one. That's what it is. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, uh, it's reversed in my deck. Um, because I describe that to people. So the person is not hanging upside down to the, to the eye, they're right side up when it is. Yeah. When it is up viewed upright position um when the card is in an upright position yeah it is it's as if the person is floating up but is tethered to the ground Mm -hmm. which is um initially i had done a whole version of this card where um it was reflected in water and like the implication being like the person is hanging but it's they're being viewed upside down um in the reflection of the water and then later on i just what my gut kept telling me is like hangman is waiting, but it is waiting to be released to float mm-hmm. versus being waited to, to release to fall. Mm-hmm. So like, um, my gut just kept telling me that. And I was like, okay, well I'm just going to make that card then. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, um, instead of being, um, you're being held to the ground versus being like being prepared to be dropped to the mm-hmm. ground, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that you, you describing your process, I think is not only a a great inspiration, but I think is also really important Mm -hmm. for a lot of people listening to this to hear, because ultimately what you are embodying and what you embodied in the creation of your deck is something that I believe in probably more strongly than anything else, which is that the tarot belongs to us. Like if Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't need to follow any kind of dictation of it. We don't need to, um, follow any kind of rules. They, the tarot is truly like the people's tool. Mm -hmm. And there's been, because we live in kind of a capitalist society and a patriarchal society, there's a, and a, a hierarchical power driven society. Like there's a lot of, I'm soapboxing a bit, but there's a lot of emphasis. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot that's projected onto tarot that comes from those systems of like, Oh my God, well, this person said to do it this way. It's gotta be this way. And yeah. there's not a lot of, I, I don't actually think there, there is of course always the deck because now so many are being made that it is so original, so fresh, so lovely, mm-hmm. so different. And it's not to say that 
that um, there aren't some images in your deck that are not reminiscent of, of Smith Rider, of sure. course. Yeah, there are. But, but there are takes in your deck that are so um, invigorating, not mm-hmm. even because I'm, I'm, I'm married to you and I enjoy your company uh, as a person, but also <laughs> because, like, I, as a reader, at first and foremost, yeah. it was exciting to yeah. hear you ask me or check out for yourself like oh what have other people said about this what do you say about this and then immediately go okay great uh i'm gonna do that Mm -hmm. and just instantly default to your own intuition and i feel like watching you um create in that way was uh really very inspiring because i think ultimately it's a testament to what all of us Mm -hmm. as tarot readers, teachers, creators, facilitators, uh, people who create tarot decks and don't necessarily read, but are artists and really across the gamut. It's the whole idea that these, these images really want to come through our human filters. And I think you giving yourself permission to um, know as much or as little as you needed to know and then really trusting your gut on the way that things wanted to be expressed visually was very exciting. And it has, um, I, I, I will say that mm-hmm. this is something you and I talk about a lot, but I feel like truly in all my years of reading tarot, because we do have a physical copy of tarot of the Holy spectrum in the house that we mm-hmm. read on, I've never used or worked with a deck that reads so well for the given circumstance. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it doesn't fuck around. It doesn't play. It's not coy. It, it's mm-hmm. not. It's trying. very clear. It is so clear, but yeah. very nonviolent, yeah. like very compassionate. There's a, but I, it's because the sense that I get is you listened mm-hmm. and you really stepped out of the way and let it be what it wanted to sure. be, even yeah. though you didn't necessarily always understand, Yeah, which I think is um, like, there's so much in here that we could like pull threads on, which is like, we're always trying to intellectualize our intuition, but mm-hmm. it's like, you never really know why. Yeah. You know? And yeah, absolutely. And it's like, there were so many things that were just guided. Yeah. Like, I, I'm I'm just coming back to like my um justice image mm-hmm. and how like um I was struggling with that for so long. I and remember. then like I remember, you know, we just recently moved, but before we moved, when I made this deck, we were in Brooklyn and we kept going to like the cemetery to just get some nature. And in the cemetery I kept seeing um all these gravestones with veils on them over the top of it. Yeah. Like carved, like, yeah, carved, like, um, carved, marble, veils, carved yeah. veils. And we had been talking about it and I, that imagery became incorporated into the card because mm-hmm. it's like, I just kept seeing it. And mm-hmm. I was like, these two things are so tied together. And like, you know, what is it if like death is not the ultimate justice? And like, that is, mm you know, so tied into my card, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, of course the veil is draped over the person because, you know, the veil is all encompassing, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, I mean, it's just like little things like that where it's like, I would be struggling and struggling and struggling. And then I would just look around me 
and like the answers would be there kind of, you know, of like, this is how you kind of can visualize that, you Mm -hmm. know? And so, um, it was just kind of like listening to those things. Now, going back to like what you had just said, like, as far as like reading on it, I could have never predicted that when we actually got the first proof copy, um, it was just like, Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, like amazing. Like, we, cause we I was just like, like, like Oh, I, out loud. And, like maybe this is just like, you know, making your own piece of artwork and then it's speaking to you. But like, it really just like, it just works. It works, you know? And like, it was so clear from day one and like, um, it's got like sweet dog energy. It really wants to be a, it wants to work with you like it it's like a it's got like a a desire to serve energy to it that is really warm and lovely you know um i totally agree it's like i i every time i open it now this is like a personal experience obviously that other people may not have or may have i don't know um it's just very familiar. Of course I made it, but I like when I talk to it, cause I talk to my deck, it's mm-hmm. like, it's just like, Oh, hi, it's me again. And like, <laughs> you know, very friendly, mm-hmm. um, uh, type so, of exchange, you know, very open and like, uh, yeah, just really clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, very, very friendly deck. And it's also, I've been saying sort of jokingly, it's the first, deck to have authorized like soul tarot visualization sure. like representations yeah, yeah. in there because i know that um in uh i mean you always followed your gut but there were mm-hmm. a couple of um the interpretations that i offered you that it was like the first time i've ever really seen them in visual form mm-hmm. and it was really cool yeah um yeah obviously that was a huge source of inspiration um and like I didn't know Tara before I started working on your courses and things mm-hmm. like that. So that has been the like undertow guiding principle of all of it. Mm-hmm. Of because it's just the basis for all of my knowledge of tarot in the first place. Yeah. Um so And it's not a soul tarot deck, but it no, is no, it's it, not like a soul yeah. tarot deck. Because there are certain cards that, like, I remember we would talk about, and then I would just do something totally out of left field. Mm-hmm. And, Which like, I always appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ideal. I'd be like, I'm just being told to do this, so I'm going to yeah. do it, you know? And, yeah. like, um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's nice because, you know, it, it's nice to have. I've now had a couple of people incorporate my teachings into their decks, but mm-hmm. nobody ever really asks me. Sure. Like, Nobody ever really asks my permission and nobody actually credits me, Yeah, you know, and they'll talk about it like they didn't learn it somewhere, Yeah, Um, which isn't to sound ungrateful or insensitive or in some way petty, but um, it is hard. Yeah. You know, it's like absolutely just a form of having your work kind of oh, made yeah. invisible. I mean, yeah. So that's why I say like authorized because yeah, yeah. It, it's been such a lovely experience to have you be so... Um, transparent about like where you got some of it oh yeah absolutely yeah and it's like i don't claim like i don't i don't ever want to be like claiming to be some you know a person that's kind of redefining tarot because definitely my influences are so heavily based on you and your teachings that like that really informed 
all of this knowledge. Now, did I channel some things? Yes, absolutely. Did no, I like channeled, visualize? You channeled everything. I, I of course, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I. It doesn't take anything away from my artwork to acknowledge as my sources. Yes, which I wish I could. Yeah. <laughs> tattoo onto the sky exactly. for everyone. <laughs> Doesn't take anything away from what yes. you do to name your fucking source. I know. Very familiar with this. I know you are. <laughs> I know you are. Yeah. <laughs> Had many experiences right alongside you. Yeah. Well, the, the, but see, this is why what you're doing and what you're creating, regardless of, of my having any kind of, uh, small, uh, uh, being like a teeny thread in the tapestry of what you created um, because we all have those threads of influence, yeah, absolutely. of course. Um, but the whole point is that you created something that is your own mm-hmm. from the influence and credited the influence, which sure. I think is like the most ideal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to credit people. It, it like really is. Yeah. I don't know why some people have a lot of trouble with it. Sure. <laughs> well, I know the, I know why. Yeah. Well, definitely. the fear is that if you credit, yeah. nobody's going to think you're sure. original and nobody's going to think you got it yeah. or you don't, or they're going to think you don't got it. Sure. And some people don't got it. Some people really do. They're so afraid to go into their own medicine that they just copy. Yeah. Which is painful. That is. It's hard. Yeah, we've had lots of experiences about that, you and I. I will never forget. So Chase and I used to do theater together. Yeah. And do you remember that review that somebody did for that for Flying Snakes in 3D where they were like, they accused you of copying that like guy's style and you had never even seen one of his shows? Do you remember that? It was it was some theater maker that did all that. I don't think that. they accused. They think they said it was reminiscent of someone's style, and I had no idea who the person even was. <laughs> Literally had no idea. Because yeah, yeah. we knew of them, but I'll say we didn't enjoy their work very sure. much. So I we just never yeah, went I to see the shows. Yeah. I, I actually, I worked in, I used to work in theater. I worked in theater for a very long time, but I'm not a person that goes and sees Theater. No, you don't care for I it, don't. Really. I'm not. I, no. I was like a behind the scenes person. It's mm-hmm. not something I really ever enjoyed watching myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I just enjoyed making it. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, random. But t- let's talk about some of the cards in the deck that are like, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your six of wands, because that is such a magical card in the deck. Yeah. I, um, can you describe it for us? Uh, so it's basically a house up on a hill, um, with a long path leading up to it and six wands line the path. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's some mountains in the background. Um, not traditionally what that card looks like. No, not at all. Um, because I, I remember, I, you know, I'd been reading about it. We had been talking about it. And like, there was this sense in my head that like, it was like, oh, this imagery on the Rider Waite is like someone returning from victory. And like, mm-hmm. the people are like greeting them or like cheering them on and they're riding in on a horse. And I, I kept thinking to myself, like, you know, after I've accomplished a big project or after I've gone and, um, 
you know, past a huge threshold, all I really ever want to do is just go home. Mm. And like, Mm. that's the reward. It's not like coming home to praise in like the community. It's like just taking space and like going home. And so like, Mm -hmm. I just kept seeing this image of like a house up on a hill, you know, because that's, that's the ultimate reward of like, you have accomplished everything. Now you get to return home to your safe space. Mm -hmm. Now I know that probably only really applies to me, but it's just kept what I kept seeing. Um, But now that card has spoken in so many different ways that like, I don't think the original interpretation would have, you know, on, mm-hmm. in certain times, I know I have pulled that card and been like, oh, this has a totally more clear meaning to it, you know, yes. to me, you yeah. know. Um, well, that's what's so beautiful about there being so many different kinds of tarot decks because there are so many different people and so many mm-hmm. different experiences, so many different cultures, so many different viewpoints of the world. And medicine that is important for some and and not necessarily attractive to others and like you visually channeling down such a clear deviation from the quote traditional sure visuals of that card is such a gift because again the tarot is constantly adapting constantly wanting to move through us in all kinds of different ways be it artistically represented in a deck or taught or or interpreted that sure. the the visuals on a tarot deck are actually like really limiting when yeah. you don't understand that you're meant to go beyond it. So well, and honestly, I think that's the Smith Rider weight imagery. So the reason it's like the baseline is because it's so good at being just ambiguous enough that mm-hmm. you can interpret it. Yeah, you know, amazing. which is a huge thing. Whereas, like, I feel like there are certain, you know key of uh, like doing a tarot deck is sometimes like keeping the artwork ambiguous enough so people can imprint on it you know yeah i love that like um i know that was a a real huge goal of mine when making the deck was like how can i keep this imagery kind of ambiguous enough that people can interpret it that people can look at it and derive their own meanings and like it's not just all laid out for a person when they look at the card, you know, it's kind of like, how does this, what does this actually mean to me? You Mm -hmm. know, versus like, Oh, this is cut and dry of what this is. And like Mm -hmm. very clear, um, purpose, you know? Yeah. Um, And, and I think that's a nice, this is a nice time to unpin the guidebook piece because I know that, um, your decision not to do a guidebook was a very big one. Yeah. And it was, it's something I was really excited to do for so long. And it just like, I think it's just like, you know, spirit or the universe kept talking to me and saying, are you sure you want to do that? (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, yeah, I do. I do want to do this. And Mm -hmm. this like, it has to be part of it. And then like, it was just kind of like, I had this revelation and it was just like, oh, we, I, this is me trying to control the destiny of the deck, you know, by like laying out my own ego onto the interpretations, Mm. you know? And Mm. like, I, I don't need to do that. The Mm -hmm. deck can live on its own. The deck wants to live on its own. Mm -hmm. And like, I do not need to shepherd it 
through, mm-hmm. you know, anybody's use. It's like, yeah. it is, it speaks for itself. It knows who it is. And like, I don't need to define that with my own, um, yeah, you know, egoic interpretations of what I was intending because it doesn't really matter what I was intending. It, rem- it all it matters is what it means to this specific specific person who is trying to read with it you know that's really beautiful and you know there'll be some people who really won't like that because they like to know sure and like it i'm not barring that i won't ever come out with like an artistic like interpretation guide or like not like i wouldn't call it a guidebook but just like a backstory or something Mm -hmm. maybe um but that's not in the plans right now of course but i um I'm not like barring that from never existing. If people want to ask, they can always ask. Sometimes I will tell you, sometimes I won't tell you. Um, that just kind of depends on my mood. <laughs> Spoken like a true Scorpio. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Spoken like the, the Scorpio you are. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's such a courageous, integral, soul-centered choice to really say, I am hearing a no. and. Yeah. Of course, I want to bow to, <clears throat> you know, this part of me that wanted to impose my own yeah. interps onto this, but it really, uh, uh, and I, you know, I say this with a grain of salt because I am someone who, who like literally teaches tarot for a living. And so for me to say like, oh, it's so easy to understand could yeah. be, um, not actually inclusive or reflective of other people's experiences. But when I look at your deck, um, it's very clear to me what it's saying and um, really how it's calling me into like, there's a, there's like an evocativeness to it with the flower with, with um, like I'm thinking of the Empress and Mm, um, like there's, there's a lot of use of symbolism and, and color of course, Mm -hmm. obviously um, to really convey a lot. And I, you know, it's cool because I know that two things that were really important to you in the making of this was one that the people on the card, the human beings were, totally ambiguous in terms of gender yeah that was a big part of me wanting to make a guidebook too was Mm -hmm. to be like kind of control that aspect because i've know i've had people like genderize the cards before Mm -hmm. and not like that they aren't people on the cards but Mm -hmm. i just feel like i don't as the artist i don't feel comfortable interpreting who these characters gender like what their genders are yeah. you know like it's a construct anyway yeah exactly it doesn't like gender kind of doesn't mean anything to me in the first place and like yeah i it's fairly fluid for you too yeah you know? and so i i i think it was like there was this concept or this like egoic thing again in my head when i was like thinking about the guidebook i was like i need to like you know, make this clear so people know that these aren't Mm -hmm. like gendered cards, you Mm -hmm. know? And, um, again, it's, it's really up to anyone's interpretation, what they want to like put onto the deck, you know? And then, um, absolutely. And then the other thing that I know might be interesting for people to hear is that there is one character in your major arcana Mm -hmm who goes through all of the cards. So it's yeah. like basically an Alice in Wonderland type of story where this 
archetype, this yeah. this person basically takes the step off the cliff in the fool and steps into the magician, steps into the high priestess, like dies in the death card, mm-hmm. comes back in temperance. And, yeah. um, I think that that's really cool and really interesting. Yeah. It's, I've always just, you know, through, believe it or not, you and I talk about tarot quite a bit We do in the household. So like, I've always heard, um, you know, this reference of the fool's journey, um, and, you know, through Jeff Henshaw and you and like mm-hmm. talking about like all those and courses that's not, from like, and that's not just us. The fool's journey is well, like, sure. I understand. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah. that's how I've heard of it. Of course, and yeah. like, um, I think that that just kept echoing in my head and I had done a couple, I had already, again, this is like how, um, it worked just the guidance. I had done a couple versions of major cards, but not a lot. And then I had this concept that like the character from the fool should be progressing through the cards. And so mm-hmm. it made sense that the character is reaching for the infinity loop in the fool. And then the infinity loop is guiding them in the magician. Um, they've embodied the high priestess and then like just moving forward, you know, mm-hmm. um, throughout all the cards um, and kind of embodying those. Yeah. And then you get to kind of follow that journey as if it were a story um, and see how this one person gets to interpret and embody those cards versus like seeing all these different disparate imagery um interpretations you know mm-hmm. amazing yeah that's yeah, beautiful um god what else hmm. Hmm. i mean i feel like there's so much to ask you about still what were some of the more um exciting moments for you in making it like were there any particular cards that felt really really thrilling to the fool felt really thrilling because it was was... um it was a card i saw super clearly when i was envisioning it and it came out looking very in line with what i had envisioned in my head so like um that felt very satisfying because it was like, Oh, I have this very clear vision of what I want it to look like with like the wind swept dress and like the reaching and like the color and like the stars It all came through very clearly in my head and to like see it actually come forth was very satisfying. Um, as far as like bigger moments, it was kind of like, I know when I like, I, for whatever reason, I had this intuition that all of the the pentacle court cards would be tied to uh, this imagery of like a deer. Um, you and love deer. I do. I really, really love deer. <laughs> and, like I grew <laughs> up uh, kind of in, um, I grew up in rural Indiana and um, there were just deer kind of around. And so they really represented to me at least this image of like, grounding in nature and it's it's funny because i know a lot of people complain about deer and like i am always at odds with them because i really love having deer around but they they represent to me this animal that's like this larger animal and they just kind of live amongst us and it's like this wildness that's just like you know walking up and down your driveway and it's like this nature um 
that's like there and like certain people are really at odds with that nature. And it's like, it's like the the deer is an embodiment of like, I'm going to walk onto your property. I'm Mm -hmm. here. I'm nature. And I'm coming back to claim what's mine. I will eat all your roses. Yeah. I will eat your flowers and do that (laughs) because we're all here together and you can't stop me, you know? And like, um, it's just that envisionment to me. That's like, well, there's like these big animals that just like live amongst us. And like, they're just here and yeah. like they are always like coming into our area and like making people feel uncomfortable and like but <laughs> it's also just this majestic grounding in like wildness you know yeah, yeah. and like i it is amazing i really love them and like um yeah so just like seeing that imagery I know it starts out in like the page, the deer is way off in the distance and like the woods is calling the person and then they move into the night where they are on top of the deer and like the stag and like riding it and like they're very grounded in their presence with the nature. And then, you know, we move into like the queen of pentacles, which is then this kind of like snow white type envisionment where like the deer is there but also are so all the the other woodland creatures Mm -hmm. and then um we finally move into the the king of pentacles where you know the stag is now this fully embodied thing where the king is completely one with nature and it's completely taking over again and if you look it's a little hard to see in the representation but the the throne of the king is actually crumbling um, because it's being consumed by like the vines that are taking it over. And so, um, it's just like this kind of epic reclaiming, mm. um, that has like fully taken over by that progression and like watching that progression throughout, mm-hmm. um, was just a really, I, I really enjoyed making those cards a lot. So cool. <laughs> you know? I love hearing about yeah. them. I know other people do too. Yeah. Do you have any other stories like that um, about cards that felt really meaningful? I keep for some reason visually going to your judgment card, your awakening card. And mm. and uh, a number of folks have um, retitled this card as awakening, the yeah. judgment card, which you chose to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that, again, just me personally, um, judgment is a card that is so understandably very challenging for people to understand. It's very Plutonian, um, very rife with a lot of symbolism and very, very, very Christian biblical yeah. undertones sure. and, um, or actually just themes, not even undertones. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and you chose to do something that I thought was, was really, um, clear and, and so concise with yeah. it, which I loved. I, I did kind of want to derive a little bit away from the Christian, kind of undertones of it all Mm -hmm. and um again that's the card we had talked about and like as far as awakening it just felt like to me that it's like okay you've been through this journey and it it reminds me of just like can you describe it for people yeah oh the card itself Mm -hmm. is um the protagonist is uh sitting up and pulling down a blindfold that they had on them while they were lying down and around them there are all these other people um lying down blindfolded Mm -hmm. so it's like they have awoken and they're revealing um their eyes and they're staring right into the reader Mm -hmm. um so what that card makes me feel is like i've been on this journey 
Um, I'm growing, I'm evolving, I'm living through these different archetypes. And now what is this kind of taught me about myself? Mm. What am I seeing now that I didn't see before? Mm -hmm. You know, um, it reminds me of like, you know how sometimes people can get really, really stuck in their own worldview of like, well, I have to do this thing. I Mm. have to do it. And then, (laughs) and then something comes along and then like, they change or they evolve or they don't evolve. And like, if they do evolve, it's sometimes you can look back and you'd be like, what was I thinking? What was I doing? (laughs) Like, I really thought that's how I needed to operate in the world. And that's what I really thought I needed to do. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just, I'm like more clear or I've just had a shift. And like, now I see things through a totally different lens And like, um, it just, you know, that's what that card symbolizes to me is like that moment where like you're seeing things for what they are, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and you can have some like unbiased clarity about it. See, I feel like I am, that really excites me because, um, I did a podcast episode about judgment and I mean, was super honest when I said that I think that, um, Judgment is one of those cards that I'm very humble to that. I think we learn the older we get and, and, and like we, we get little glimpses and anytime it comes up in a reading, I'm always like, Oh, you know, it also makes sense for me, um, tied into the larger themes of the majors, um, having the world follow it because really once you're at the end of the journey and you've evolved and you can finally see, then you're ready to begin again. You know, and also from a soul perspective, too, because 100 percent to that. Also, we forget when we're on that journey Mm -hmm. of the fool and when we're in that kind of soul evolution that there is a lot of time that's spent in judgment, Pluto energy, Mm -hmm. where you can't literally you cannot complete the Saturn lesson task, you could call it karma stuff of the world card until you've dug down and gotten to the root of the stuff that you have to know Mm -hmm. is a part of your programming or a part of your patterning in order to not take it with you. It's like, you know, we, again, like the best way that we had to describe that, you know, was this sense of being judged before yeah, for sure. you know the lord or whatever yeah. um i don't actually think that's the the process of it um gabriel's horn and stuff but um th- it's like we are having our own a- awakening to yeah. our own stuff it's it's a, it's a horn that blows within us that we mm-hmm. arise and awaken to yeah and it has the capacity to be so profound sure um but i think the gateway in is to understand that I think your card really represents this. And my experiences in judgment is that some of the most painful judgment work I've ever done um, involves having to leave people behind. Sure. Because other people are not available to necessarily not do the thing that I'm, I'm taking my blindfold off for. And yeah, again, the imagery in the card is not your, not awakening with everyone else you're awakening by yourself yeah it's kind of like 
this is so cheesy and corny, but it's like, <laughs> can't we? <laughs> you know, like in the Matrix, <laughs> when he wakes up in that like cell of film, you know, like in the Matrix <laughs> of goo, yeah, and yeah, he's like I by himself, and everybody Absolutely. else is still asleep. Um, mm-hmm. It's like. Um, it is a little bit like that of like, yeah, it's definitely, but it's awakening. more like waking up to your patterning, <laughs> yeah. like your ego and yeah. like, um, anything in your own experience and journey. Um, and it is like, I do really enjoy the transition of that card into the, the following card, which is the world, I love, which I really tell us. I love that card. Um, the infinity loop shows up again in my world card and um which is some symbolism i use throughout the deck uh, which isn't i don't own the infinity loop but <laughs> it's like, <laughs> infinity like loop TM, it is just it is there tm um but you in your world card you see the protagonist kind of staring down the mountain and sure. the, the cliff, but they're at the base of it, understanding that they're ready to climb back up. Yeah. So the idea is, so there's the infinity loop that frames the whole card. And in the two loops of the infinity, one of them is the cliff from the fool mm-hmm. and the other is the protagonist. So the protagonist is walking towards the cliff to begin another journey. And behind them at the base of the card um, are elements from the journey so All the objects that yeah they've there's collected. like the lion from the strength card mm-hmm. and like um just you know kind of like this idea that like you're taking you're leaving behind everything from this journey but what it has taught you has given you the power to walk forward into a separate journey mm-hmm. and then you're going to you know travel through the infinity loop to reach for it again on the fool it's amazing yeah loved it yeah loves it Loves it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I really, again, it's, it's, it's totally not that you're my husband. Like, I really love your deck so much. Well, thank you so much. And it's not because I had the privilege of providing some insight for sure. it. It's really so incredible and reads so beautifully. Well, thank you. Tell me about your colossally awesome decision to make it with black backs and black edging so it basically looks like you're reaching into the void okay so (laughs) i because it's so badass yeah i had been going back and forth about the entirety of the deck design for a while and i kept getting like um, my intuition kept telling me that it needed to be very very minimal And, like, I was like, oh, I don't know what should be. I had had a couple different drafts of designs for, like, the box and, like, everything else. And um, um, what I ended up kind of being intuitively guided to settle on was, like, it's all inspired by the whole design concept is inspired by the Fool card, um, which is there's... A holographic infinity loop on the front of it the and box, the box yeah the box. on the box and like um the rest <laughs> of the box is just matte black there's no text on the entire box at all mm-hmm. um aside from there's a little bit on the very inside top of the lid but that's 
I wanted it to be completely blank. So you're you're basically reaching into the void when you grab the box to take the deck out. You're reaching symbolically reaching for the infinity loop, mimicking the action in the fool, because it's really you're taking a fool step every time you reach to read. Yes, and um, absolutely. So you're you're reaching for that infinity loop like the fool, and then when you take the the cards out, they have matte black edges and fully matte black backs, so you can spread them out. And they look just like a solid black mass. There's no distracting artwork on the back. There's no like design on the back. You're just completely in a black void and you're reaching into the void for the answers to whatever you're asking, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, that was my concept with it. Um, as far as like designing the whole thing, I was like, well, what if I do just nothing? Yeah. You know, what if I like, instead of like trying to think through this process of how to like minimally represent something, why don't I just let it all speak for itself and just do nothing? Nothing is the concept, you know? <laughs> it's the most Scorpio thing I've ever heard. This is a very Scorpio deck. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's great. Yeah. I, it's just like, um, the concept is nothing. <laughs> And it's so satisfying to be able to like hold it and be like, wow, it's just like mm. solid black. And Absolute, like, it's like a you get to reach from into 2001. That was also part of the inspiration. I, I was knew like, that. I knew. Yeah, I was like, I just want, again, because the monolith is something you can project yourself onto. And we I want watch that tonight. Oh, we should. Yeah, totally. Let's do it. Anyway, um, back to your interview. But um, yeah, just this idea that you can as the reader, you're coming into it with whatever you're bringing and the deck isn't adding anything as far as that. It's just there to be a clear channel for you. I mean, it's, it's tremendously potent to hear you say that because yeah, I mean, your artistic process and the, the baby that you created from that with spirit is so important, Mm -hmm. such a beautiful deck. Um, but also I think, you know, my theory on how the tarot existed long before it was like put into paper form. Sure. Because I, that is a theory that I Mm -hmm. do have. Um, it's not even a theory. It's just something I know, Mm -hmm. but I feel like we've stepped so far away from being reverent to the tarot like actually letting the tarot do the talking and we've and and i'm not saying that that i'm judging anyone for it um but really a lot of folks don't do this um Mm -hmm. but just as many and at least for a long time it's just a parroting off of what some old master said or some person did or this person did and like that's important to like honor to to honor the lineage especially during a time when this was not an accepted thing to do like let's let's honor it but i also think what you're talking about letting the tarot speak and letting Mm -hmm. letting like stepping out of the way as the creator and again letting the tarot really be a tool for the reader to actually imprint on and bond with, mm-hmm. um, is like really where it's at for me. Yeah. It's really, yeah, it's really incredible. Yeah. 
love it. I respect it. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. Um, you are a multi, multidisciplinary artist. Many people don't know that you paint, you play a thousand different instruments, you do video, you've done installations for all manner of artists, Coachella, many places. Yeah. Um, you are somebody that is very technologically savvy. You do all of the editing for this podcast. Mm -hmm. You do all the audio for this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, you animate. Yeah. You, you do quite a lot. There's more things that you do that I'm not (laughs) even naming. And all of them, you have been completely self-taught in. Yeah. Which I, I definitely know that most people do not know about you. Mm -hmm. Um, other than having some piano lessons. Yeah. But you've taken that a lot further than your piano teacher. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> and you're a photographer. Yeah. And even though your dad was a photographer, you really taught yourself how to use it. For sure. Yeah. yeah he didn't teach you. Yeah. Which um, I know is an issue of some contention. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think... I think um, my my question for you is you have had all of these different art forms in your life for so long. Um, was there ever, was there ever a moment for you where you kind of stopped and went, Oh my God, like I'm an artist, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think I've always been creating work. Like, I remember I started, like, um, I think the first video stuff I ever worked on was in, like, fourth grade or something. And, like, before that I had been doing other random stuff. I've just always been drawn to, like, doing all different types of artwork. Like, I started out doing music when I was really young, um... And then I stopped doing that for a while and then picked it back up later. I mean, I was just doing lots of different instruments and stuff like that. But um, I think, yeah, it's just been one of those things where it's like I've never known how to do anything else other than always be creating artwork. And, like, Mm -hmm. it's almost become a problem sometimes. Like, not like a problem, but, like, it's just like, I, I'll always be creating art. There's so much artwork. I just am like always making and I don't know why. And like, I don't know. There's not like a place to release it or like put out there. Like there's mm-hmm. like, I don't think it all has to be. No, of course. But it's, it's like, I'll record like whole albums of music and just never put them anywhere. And like, I'll, I'll do. Yeah. There's many unreleased, Mm-hmm. the visual artwork pieces that I have just like, you know, on my hard drive or something. Um, because I just like either won't feel like sharing them or like I'll keep them to myself. It's like, um, yeah. Uh, so if you're asking when I felt like I felt like an <laughs> artist, I don't know if that ever really like was a thing I profoundly like consciously just came to at any given point in time. It's just kind of always been there. Well, I also think it's pretty amazing. And, and this is, um, you know, something it's, it's having the privilege of knowing you intimately that, you know, two and a half years ago, you 
stepped away from your day job mm-hmm. and I witnessed you slowly reclaiming it was like doing an excavation for a fossil like being like yeah. oh my I'm an artist yeah like well, I'm an artist well I had been doing art oh forever yeah but whole- I just mean like I remember you'd quit your after you quit your job you're like I'm not sure what to like do it, it it's you know? so funny because I had this conversation with my therapist that was like I've always been creating art against something. Yeah. Or as like you were. Yeah, I was always like, well, I have to work my like full-time job, but I can also maybe if I squeeze in artwork here, then I can do this whole thing. I remember I animated two full music videos for a band while I, like in my off time from yeah. my like full-time job so that like, they didn't know about because they wouldn't have hired me had they known I was like double committed um in like my <laughs> studio that had no AC and it was 110 degrees <laughs> every day and I was like taxing my processors to the limit to try and animate this thing and like I was like I'm so and then like when I did leave my full-time job and I had a little bit more time to devote to like you know both like working on like you know the the animation for terror for the wild soul and mm-hmm. like also my own animation and my other artwork i was it's a huge trip yeah for the ego when you don't have to work against something i mean it's like what because it's- that was like my sole motivation i found out was like that i was working and i was like i'm going to create art despite all of these other circumstances and nobody can stop me. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, once I'm not fighting against this wall yeah. that like, it's like, well, what am I even doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, why am I doing this again? Yeah. Like if this isn't like, what is it? Is it because I'm getting satisfaction or is am I doing it to prove that I can do it? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it was like a whole existential thing of like, wait, I need to like come back to my center and figure out, um, what I'm doing Mm -hmm. for me because I'm no longer just doing it to prove I can do it or like prove to myself that I haven't like, I'm, I'm still able to do a million things at once. I'm now able to like intentionally sit down and like do something actually solid, you know? And like, that's kind of how this deck evolved, you know, Mm -hmm. um, out of that intention of like, wow, I actually have time to like devote to a larger, project you know um that i can conceptually take through a year versus Mm -hmm. like um you know just doing it in like the hour i have um totally you know in for lunch or something you know yeah i think my 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 last question and i mean we could i mean we could go on all night here sure we really could love talking to you um <laughs> I do. Um <laughs> just so funny. I know. Um this is the first piece of art you've ever released that's been all your own. You've sure. you've been a part, of course, of things, released things that have been collaborations, they've been um, commissions, but this is the first thing you've ever released. That's just yours. 
that's available for purchase. That for is sure. a, that is available for purchase for people to to have. And yeah. I want to know how that how that's felt. It feels. I mean, it feels really good, honestly. You know, mm-hmm. um, because it's like, um, I'm a pretty extremely shy person Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it takes it's been a huge huge journey to get to a point where I remember it was a huge journey for me to even have artwork on my own personal Instagram of my own like that was a huge journey to get to that point and so like this is definitely the next huge journey of like actually putting the art out into the world because it's so scary and I have a lot of different fears based on solely like um things that are like personal from like the past that like um influence me being afraid to like share things but also it's just scary to put your own work out there you know and have people react to it and so um but it does feel very exciting it feels like you know that um it is part of like a fool's journey to like put actually be putting this artwork out and like, um, in such a physical way, you know, because I'm used to doing things digitally so much. I've always done, you know, video or like, um, digital artwork in certain ways and like never, it's rare that I've had things transmit into the physical realm, you know? And so like to have a physical product to like be able to hold the deck is like, it's such a different energy, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, it's just been very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing that you have stepped forward. Cause again, I feel like it just, you can't know it until you do it. How scary it is to pull, to, to present to the world something sure. that you've yeah. made for failure or for success. <laughs> Absolutely. Or like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really scary. And, and I know it. like my life has always been, I think in that form has always been like associated with like half measures of like putting things out, but like putting them out in a way that ensures that no one will actually be able to see them or, or appreciate them. Yeah. I can confirm that yeah. that's, part of, that's <laughs> and part so of like, the it's protective like protective measure, the protective like self-fulfilling prophecy of, of like, I'm going to put this out. No one's going to like it. And then you like, you put it out in a way where no one can like it. And then <laughs> like, and then, like it's no one like, can even see it, you know? And so like, <laughs> then it, fuf- it fulfills this thing. That's like, yeah, I knew it, you know, mm-hmm. um, this like old voice. And in you your really head. did not do that with this one. No, not at all. Yeah. 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 Which has been really powerful. Where can people find your deck chase? Uh, the long address is tarot of the holy spectrum.com mm-hmm. or my Instagram is holy spectrum tarot, uh, at just at holy spectrum tarot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the short address is, uh, holy spectrum.com. Okay. Well, that'll all be in the show notes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and your deck is available for pre-order. Yes. And it is available to purchase on your website. Yes. As of today. Correct. Um, and I know you have a fairly limited number. Yes. Um, so a fair amount left. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's already been open for the mailing list for a week, so this will be opening for the general public and it'll be really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And God knows when Dex will get here, but you're aiming to ship in June. Yes. Yeah. That's hopefully that's, before. But that is the goal right now, though. Sounds good. Yeah. That's amazing. And Thank it'll you. also be in Terror for the Wild Soul. Oh my gosh. I completely forgot about that. I did yeah. for real. Yeah. Um, this year in Terra for the wild soul, um, my, um, uh, my eight week course, um, we really, um, a lot of people don't realize this, that our course is completely front end, back end and side to side protected by law by a copyright. And because we protect it, um, so securely with a copyright, um, and also because we want to uh, have best practices across the board, we have to get um, explicit written permission from decks um, and deck makers to actually have them in the course, which is the reason why we don't have 50 decks in Tarot for the Wild Soul, because we either couldn't secure permission or it was too much money, whatever. And this year we have so, so many incredible, um, just incredible decks or more decks, um, you know, more cards from a deck. Uh, and it's been a huge mm -hmm. honor to have your deck be one of yeah. the new crop of decks that yeah. are in the course. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So you'll see the imagery in the videos and yeah. Yeah. Tarot for the Wild Soul. I mentioned this in the intro, but Tarot for the Wild Soul has like a new, it's like a brand new course basically. And it has a new website called, um, tarotforthewildsoul.com and um, a lot of the images on the site of other folks' decks and uh, that you made mm -hmm. um, and you created for the site. Uh, it also includes your deck. So if people want to see some images, yeah. they can. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me of that. That's <laughs> all good. totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks so much for listening, everyone. This one was a little long, but I mean, it's quarantine times. Yeah. So we got. I mean, we're just here together. So I mean, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> thanks for listening. Thanks for thanks for coming over, Chase. Oh, it was my pleasure to be here, yeah. and I've actually got another appointment I need to go to. Yeah, get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>